Welcome to the CFB Dynasty Podcast with hosts Matt Knowles and Brian McElfish. Hey everybody, how you doing out there? This is the CFBDynasty.com podcast. My name is Matt Knowles. As always, joining me over here, one of these sides, you got the founder and the creator, Mr. Brian McElfish. And always when he doesn't have something better to do, he hangs out with us. Mr. Doug Gravely, Brian, Doug, how you guys doing today? What up? What up? Hey, Matt, I'm doing good, man. How are you today? Doing good, man. Today we have a totally different style topic for you. We've already gone through for college preseason quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight end. Today we're going to cover quarterbacks for Devi. So if that is a term that you're unfamiliar with, BMAC, why don't you put yourself on the big screen and why don't you tell everybody what Devi is and why it's important? Yeah, thanks. So it's it's more of like a term for like a developmental player. There's like um, roster spots. There's a couple of different ways people do it. So Devi, in our sense, for our CFB dynasty, like uh, we called it a dynasty league, whatever. You have your college players that graduate onto your NFL team. That is not Devi necessarily. Devi leagues in a, in a lot of cases are just an NFL league where you draft and hold college players over you draft them for pro potential they're not necessarily accruing points and there's no college fantasy side to it but it's it's all about drafting players that are uh fit for the nfl so if you look at our rankings um in the so in the past we've had three different sets of rankings that we produce we had like our version where it was uh, a true college to pro league which is difficult to, to balance like do you want the uh, uh, Boise State or Houston quarterback that has no potential um, it's really about a bouncing act right so if you've got five quarterbacks you want a couple that are stat getters in college and uh, the rest that are NFL potential because that's something that if you don't hit for your NFL side of your squad for a few years uh, you're gonna be paying up to, to make a trade um, but yeah, in the in most cases, it's simply pro potential, and that's how we've ranked our our Devi rankings. So it's you could be a freshman, junior, sophomore, senior, whatever. What are the guys that have the the best pro potential right now? And uh, that's what we'll be talking about today. But question for you, Matt, Doug, and I were talking about this um like a, a night version of the show because i'm someone who is like hyper introverted and and not really um you know easy to pull my person personality out what if we did a scotch edition late night version of the show and just give it a test and, and kind of see how it would work out hey i'm up for anything even though i'd be the silver <laughs> one but you guys let you guys be the old uh you know, teetotalers over there, man. Well, it's fine with me as long as we can find a time to do it. Hey, man, all I know is that when we uh, have our Doug and Brian scotch slash whiskey, I guess, rectangle conversations on the porch at Brian's what house. That? What are we talking about here it's with not, rectangles? It's not, a, it's, not a square, <laughs> it's not a square table or a round table. It's more of a rectangle table okay. outside. Gotcha. So, I mean, come on. You got to pick up what I'm putting down there, Brian. Man, uh, I, I, Brian no, comes up no. with some pretty good, pretty solid college football chats. I will tell you. <laughs> I mean, it's it's solid, and and 
we have nights where we talk about it till like 11 30 at night and i'm like dang i really gotta go <laughs> but yeah it's when you get in the car and you're like what do we even just talk about i think it would be a really fun addition so yeah like i said man i'm down with it we can figure out a way to do it that's all good that's all good do you have so, a favorite so, are you a whiskey guy or not matt man, never drank my entire life man yeah i never, never did till my till my 30s really so yeah never drank my entire life got my got my coffee got my water that's about it mm -hmm. <laughs> um are you are you a fan of uh parks and rec at all do you watch absolutely that? absolutely yeah so ron swanson his his character is like a and he is in real life he's a fan of this scotch lagavulin and, and uh anyways that's my favorite. It's very good. And you can come. Feel free to try it if you want on the show for the first time. And let's see where the conversation goes. <laughs> I, uh, I will tell you, Matt, I wasn't a fan of it at first. But the the taste buds in the old mouth are starting to change a little bit. And it's, it's a nice it's a nice little taste. I'll let I'll let you guys I'll let you guys be the be the consumers of it and I will I will just mediate <laughs> and moderate you guys being all crazy. It's all good. It's all good. So uh not sure how we just went down this path, but uh but let's go back to Debbie just a little bit. So one of the things on Debbie that, that is interesting, whether you're looking at an actual Debbie League or college to pro, is that you're gonna have on the website you'll have your top 25 like we do for, for college to pro or for college leagues. But think about this year in the draft, or think about the last four years in the NFL. How many new quarterbacks have come in in a four-year span that actually are producing at solid levels? The numbers are very, very low. So there's, there's a lot of lottery when it comes in, when it comes to Debbie, as far as who's actually going to be the one that's going to get the playing time. You could have a guy that is, is killing it in college and looks like he's got all the potential in the world. And then he gets drafted to be the guy that sits for three years behind someone else. Um, you can have a guy like Trey Lance uh, that you don't even have a chance to draft him because he's coming out of the FCS ranks or, uh, or Joe Flacco, where a guy that you don't even have a chance to pick him up until he actually is in the NFL. So finding those studs that are going to be your pro, your pro caliber caliber players are going to be a lot more difficult in Debbie um, I think that wide receiver is probably going to be the most difficult because guys that are the top guys in college, a lot of them have the least pro potential. Mm -hmm. um, if you went back and looked at my roster from two years ago, I had guys in college that were throwing down some stats for me. And I think five of them were NFL UDFAs or didn't even make a mini camp. Like they go to a mini camp, they didn't even sign, a, didn't even sign with a team. So yeah. keep that in mind when you're looking at, at college to pro potential, especially in quarterbacks. Uh, just because a guy makes the top 15, that doesn't mean he's ever going to get an NFL stat, but you got to have your, you take your chances. Yeah. And also like you kind of see the trend um, and it really started with Lamar Jackson and kind of how the Ravens shifted their roster to kind of fit his game. Um you're seeing that shift a bit more and more in the NFL, which we knew would come at some point, came a little late for, for, you know, Tebow and Johnny Manziel, not that they would have worked out either way, but um, now is the time where dual threat guys, it's, it's more set up for them to success and then to have success. And then you think about 
um, looking at just the the quarterback archetype is is a little different. Like, do you want um, a Tyler Van Dyke? Even if you consider him, considered him an elite passer, if he goes back to what he was a couple of years ago and has a great season and comes out and is a first round pick on your fantasy team, <clears throat> do you want him, or would you rather take a shot in the dark? Um, maybe not shot in the dark, but whatever. Someone like a Jalen Milrow, who his ceiling is crazy high. Like right now in drafts, whether you agree with it or not, um, from what I've seen, like. It's debatable if you're going to take a Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson. I'm a Bryce Young owner, obviously have the Gator hat on and way more palm trees on my shirt than anyone else today. Um, <clears throat> but I think, um, you know, Anthony Richardson's going high because of his ceiling. Um, Bryce Young certainly has a, a much higher floor, but because Anthony Richardson is a true dual threat and he's got the opportunity to put up numbers like, uh, like Josh Allen. Um, that's kind of what you look at is Lamar Jackson's MVP season. Uh, Josh Allen, how he's been the last couple of years. Like those are the difference makers. Whereas once you get outside the top 11, top 12, even if you're an elite pocket passer, your ceiling's limited. Yeah, you, you look at the difference, like, so in the pros, for example, like a like a Patrick Mahomes, you know, great passer, but he added a little bit of a running element to his game this year. I mean, I think he ran for, like, four touchdowns in the pros and stuff. You know, even a player his caliber that can throw the ball in whatever window you give him, I mean, he's adding that element to his game. So I think it's – you're hitting the nail on the head that that's becoming a really – uh <clears throat> serious thing that fantasy owners need to look at as far as somebody that maybe it's not what they are elite in i mean you look at a you know you know you guys know i'm a jags fan look at a trevor lawrence his first decision isn't to run but he will yeah. and i think you know a lot of these quarterbacks are, are drifting that direction to where yes they can put the ball in these tight windows but if they have to run they're going to run well yeah, i think totally. too if you if you look at what the NFL is now compared to 10 years ago, 20 years ago, now you have a 17 game season, uh, especially when you've got guys that are more, um, you know, more dual threat, you're going to need two quarterbacks. You're going to need somebody that has the possibility. You might have a guy that is um, you might not have Patrick Mahomes, but you might have his backup. You might not have Lamar Jackson, but you might have his backup um, because those guys, I mean, those guys may end up being the guys like in, in Baltimore that make the freaking pro bowl roster. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. that's a, that's, that was, don't even get me started on the insanity of that. But it just goes to show that in the NFL nowadays, you don't have to be, Oh, there's only going to be 32 guys that are going to get stats at a quarterback position. You might have a guy that becomes almost like a flyer. He might not get stats every week, but he might get three or four starts in the middle of a season and blow it up and then go back to obscurity. Once the starter comes back. Yep. Um, that's going to happen from time to time just because of injuries, because of, of attrition. Uh, teams trying to save quarterbacks for the playoffs. Um, I think you see that more and more nowadays. So you do have to have your eyes on a few more guys than you would have back in the day. The other thing about Debbie that's super fun, if you're not in a Debbie league or whatever yet, is just the, the, the draft. It totally changes the draft. So if you've got Debbie guys on your roster and you're just kind of watching them where they get drafted, and you, you kind of uh, have uh, – 
a vision or, or whatever for a path that someone's career could take. So if you consider like an Anthony Richardson, who probably should have stayed in college and, and got more reps under his belt before he made the leap, but he's got that Josh Allen-ish uh, potential where, you know, he'll be immediately one of the top three best running quarterbacks in the NFL. <clears throat> um, but you could also see where his, uh, you know, passer – our completion percentage is below 60%, throws some interceptions and like loses confidence early. You could see that path and that's, we're going to find out sooner than later because he got drafted by the Colts and that he's probably going to start. Whereas if he would have fell a little bit and maybe Seattle picks him up and he sits a year, um, gets some more reps, uh, practice reps, you could see it kind of uh, totally change in a different system. So, um, but it does make the draft super fun. And that's the kind of uh, part of the luck, I guess, is hoping your players find the right fit, like a Rasheed Rice going to the Chiefs that I'm super excited about. But anyways, we're talking quarterbacks today. So get me back in line. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that, uh, that I really do appreciate, um, like you talk about differences in drafts, I know that uh, our, our home league where this all started is not Debbie. But if you've never done a college to pro league with limited pickups like we have, hmm. the draft for that league is one of the craziest things you'll ever see. If you go into an NFL draft, you know who the top 12 guys are going to be coming off the board. Unless somebody just is inexperienced in the draft or somebody is intentionally going after a sleeper in the first round, um, you know who the top 12 guys are going to be. Just the order is going to be shuffled around. When you've got teams where, you know, that, uh, like you said, if you're talking Debbie, you're talking college to pro, teams may not have that need at a specific spot. So there may be the number one quarterback out there. And they're like, you know what? I don't need that guy because I'm deficient at running back. I'm deficient at wide receiver. Or I want to reach on that freshman instead of the senior that's coming out this year. Um, just looking at the way first rounds go down, I know that there's been times that, that we've looked at a first round and – maybe three or four of the guys that get drafted are the guys that, that you would have expected to be there because guys are, <laughs> yeah. are looking to fill right. spots. Um, guys are looking, Hey, you know what? I want to go get that freshman. Or I know, especially in our league, there's a lot of Florida state fans. There's a lot of Florida fans. Guys will overreach so hard to get their Florida guys. Cause they know if I don't get that Florida guy, who's maybe a fourth round talent in the first round, I'm not going to get a chance because if I don't get him then somebody else is going to reach in the second. So you see a lot of crazy things like that. It makes a draft unpredictable. Um, it's always great to be able to see the different thought processes. So if you've never done College of Pro, never done Debbie, uh, highly recommend trying it once. And when I say once, that doesn't mean for one year. you got to do it for a couple of years to really truly see um, the, the benefits and the drawbacks and the strategies. But you definitely want to find a way to, to at least experience it once because it's, it's definitely different than anything else you've ever been a part of. Oh man! Since I joined this, I think what am I? I think I'm going on my fourth season with you guys now. I mean, I think you can call it us guys now since it's four years. It's okay. been with us. So four <laughs> years, four years with the crew. Um, it's it's definitely different. I was always just an NFL fantasy guy. You know, you're drafting every year, and you kind of know, and it changes a little bit. But like you said, Matt, every year it seems like the top 10 guys are the top 10 guys. You know, these are the guys that are going to go. 
You know these guys are going to go. Yeah, you've got like a, a Justin Jefferson that comes in the league and goes off, Jamar Chase. So that type of stuff changes once in a while. But you know, like your top 10 guys are going to be the top 10 guys. It may be reversed a little bit, like, oh, Chase went five instead of six, but yeah. they're going to be the top 10. So one of the fun things about this league and something that, you know, I hope to get better and better at, um, <clears throat> and we pick on Dillingham a lot, but we got guys in this league that can legitimately draft a player. They're perfectly fine with sitting on them for a year or two. And then all of a sudden we're like, how does this guy have so many pro starting running backs on there? You know what I mean? It's just something yeah. that, like you guys said, they take kind of a shot in the dark a little bit, but they're okay with sitting on a guy for a couple of years. And that's what you have to be in this type of league is okay with potentially sitting on somebody. And, you know, imagine, imagine like a startup of, of this college to pro style format where we had two separate drafts. And I remember that day, like it was, I love drafting. That was so long um our rosters are those were whatever 25 rounds each or longer yeah 50 total yeah 50 total (laughs) imagine imagine a combined draft where you you could take from college or pro at the same time and kind of see like okay if if you've got you know miko imali iamaliava and caleb williams and patrick mahomes all in the pool available to draft taking? at the same time. <laughs> that would be a, a wild Is that how you guys did it? Draft. No, no, no we did two no. separate drafts. I was going to say. Yeah. I said that'd be nuts. have done that, and that would be in <clears throat> Wait, I want to go back real quick. Just want to make sure we give a shout out. You, t- you mentioned Mike Dillingham. We bust on Mike all the time, but part of the reason we bust on Mike is because Mike is so ridiculously talented in the drafts. Mm-hmm. The dude hoards A-level blue chip players that nobody can ever get their hands on. And, uh, you know, we got to pick on him because we can't we can't get his players. So we have to find a way to break him down a little bit so that maybe one of these days he makes a bad trade and we can get one of his seven starting running backs that he has. Yeah, We're going to mention another one of his players that he, you know, swooped up from. From people, you know, when we talk about this list that we're about to talk about, I mean, he's just there's there's something he does that is a little bit different than everybody else. And he does a good job at it. But, yeah, we like to bust on him a little bit. But he's when it comes to drafting, he's he's. He's above average for sure. Like he's really, he's good. Yeah. All right. So we're going to get over here to the list. So we're going to do it a little bit differently than we did with the, uh, the preseason top 25, simply because if we did it exactly the same, we'd just be saying the same things about the players. Uh, we want to talk about what puts these guys on the Debbie list and what gives them the best possible chance to actually do something in the pros. So, um, all right. So if you are a, uh, if you're someone that, that is a, a fan of CFBDynasty.com, you can go over to the website, go to the rankings tab, go to the pull down, and um, you can look at the Debbie rankings, look at quarterbacks. That way you can see what we're talking about. Um, this list is probably not going to change much the throughout the year. Too. I need to yeah. make this look a little nicer. This is pretty terrible compared mm-hmm. to the new stuff we have out. Let's just call yeah. this, this is in Doug version right now. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> Right. You talked about last week you had to get your sexy on, man. So, I mean, you know, this thing needs to go get the, the manicure and the pedicure and all that kind of stuff in the haircut uh, like you did, man. It's it the does. before. It's fine. It's fine, Matt. Whatever. Fine. <laughs> all right. So if you go to that tab, you'll be able to follow along if you want. This is probably not going to change much on the website. Uh, we do have some fun stuff we can talk about after this about guys that uh, 
came out of the woodwork in years past, but we'll get to that when we get there. So if we go over to this list, we'll look at 25 through 21. On the list right now, you've got sophomore Preston Stone out of SMU. You got Sam Hartman, Notre Dame. You got Garrett Nussmeyer at 23 from LSU. Walker Howard from Mississippi, a freshman at 22. And then Cam Rising, my boy from Utah, senior at 21. Anybody specifically we want to call out in that group um, that catches your guys' eyes? Go ahead, well, Matt. Preston Stone, he's got a little bit of everything, right? Because he's in the prime offense for college fantasy production. So if it's a college to pro league, he's someone that's super appealing because he's got good size and arm strength um, and uh, talent around him. He's going to put up the numbers and, and with his size and ability to throw it all around the field, um, he's going to get the reps. He's going to get to show that. Whereas, you know, maybe uh, a Garrett Nussmeyer at 23, he might not get a ton of reps, um, like at least a ton of throwing reps, depending on how that Brian Kelly offense kind of uh, shifts. Um, if he's able to win that job at some point, probably next year. Um but yeah, I like Stone a lot. Um, he's going to have a ton of film by the by the end of his career, um, mm-hmm. and then we'll see. He's someone he, who could move up the rankings for sure. Um, and um, I like Walker Howard, like Cam Rising. Um, both of those guys can move around. Walker Howard is probably a couple years away from starting. Um, you know, oddly, so going into the off season here. Or, or whatever, with the transfer portal and all that stuff happening at Ole Miss. They've got three quarterbacks there now. I felt bad as a Jackson Dart owner, but it seems like he's really held them off. It seems like I've seen writers say that he has the lead going into the fall so uh, or summer. So we'll see. Um, Walker Howard... Sanders and uh, and Jackson Dart at Ole Miss, um, whereas you know Sanders is is less of a, a pro potential, but he's got you know eight years of uh, college great production. Yeah, for sure. Um, on that same you know avenue, being a Spencer Sanders owner, it's not really fun for me. But um, I didn't like the move Cut for him in, in the first place, but. We'll see what happens there. Um, but I, I agree. My my favorite on this list is, is Preston Stone. He's somebody, you know, we mentioned, and he's a Dillingham guy. So, um, Dillingham, if you're listening, you've been mentioned a lot, and we think your team's pretty solid. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, Preston Stone's probably my favorite on this list. You know, quarterbacks in, at SMU, you know, we've seen a lot of production from them in the past, and I don't think it's going to change. Um, but a close second for me, um, is probably Sam Howard. I'm excited to see what he does, um, over at Notre Dame, but he was Sam Hartman or Sam Hartman. I'm sorry. Yeah. He was great at wake and we'll see what he can do in this different offense. I don't see him really losing a step there, but I think it'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah. He would come into the NFL similar to, uh, uh shoot what's his name uh hen and hooker where he's like <laughs> end of his first contract he's gonna be in his upper 20s so um but i like hartman a lot i think you know he's he's a great player 
at the college level and um he's experienced i think uh watching that notre dame offense is going to be a blast this year i think he's going to be really good and then you know one of the guys we talked about on the receiver podcast like lorenzo styles who could break out as his you know potential go-to receiver he's now a, a corner um <laughs> and he's transferred out of there so we'll see who kind of uh evolves as that top target for hartman at notre dame I'm definitely interested to see how Cam Rising does this year because he's had so much good offensive talent with him and it keeps on cycling through. And if he has another year where with new talent or different talent, he put a, you know, put some high level guys into the NFL, Dalton Kincaid. Um, if he's able to show again with all this talent cycling through that he can still be an elite level quarterback and still improve. I think that, uh, that his stock may rise a little bit and he may be no pun intended, and um, mm-hmm. he could end up he could end up seeing some uh, you know some good NFL potential even though he's at 21 on this list. Um, I think he's definitely got some NFL potential if he could have a string another good season together there at Utah. Well, speaking of rising, I mean they just got <clears throat> Micah Pittman transferred there. He's got another weapon that came in, um, and I mean their tight end room <laughs> is yeah is good anyway. So yeah, he could he could. He could be another fun one to watch for sure. All right, so we're going to move on to 20 through 16. This is when the list is going to get interesting. This is when you're going to see some big differences from what you would have seen in a uh, this standard preseason top 25 list. Uh, at 20, you got Phil Jakovic from Boston College. At 19, no J.J. McCarthy. At PC, obviously. But yeah. yeah. At 19, you got J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. At 18, Jackson Dart from Miss. 17, Tyler Van Dyke, Miami, and then 16, Malachi Nelson from USC. So the reason I bring that up is because you are never going to see two quarterbacks from the same school within five spots of each other on a weekly list because that's just unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in this, you're talking about pro potential. You're talking about guys that have a chance to go and do something um, uh, when they get to the next level. So that's why you see two guys from this on this list. Anybody you guys want to call out on this on this uh, group here? Um, I hit them real JJ quick. So like, real fast, but I don't, yeah. I don't have much to say. I'm just going to say that I'm a J.J. McCarthy fan on this list. So, <laughs> Yeah, Jakovic was probably someone that will fall down in the, in the next update on this list just because I, I don't think this pit offense is going to be great. Uh, he's, he's someone who's kind of been unlucky in terms of uh, – he had he sh- he's shown the potential. He's got dual threat ability, and uh, just been injured or had a terrible O line. Um, and then we'll see how he does, you know, without Zay Flowers, because you know Zay obviously, you know, produced no matter who was playing quarterback, even the lowly Boston College offense. So he'll probably drop for us. JJ McCarthy, you know, he's got. He's, he's definitely got the ability to run and the more reps he gets, the more comfortable he looks. Um, he's got some potential there and, and Jackson Dart is um, another one that's got it all. Van Dyke is more of a, a pocket pocket style passer. So um, he's, he's going to be able to, you know, if he produces produces really well this year, new OC at Miami, um, can totally see that happening. But he's still limited in terms of what he's going to produce for you at the NFL level. 
fantasy-wise. He might be great for your team or your favorite team or whatever. Um, but fantasy-wise, because of his, you know, less ability to run, kind of limited. So, And then we went to 16, Matt. Yep, so to far. 16. So, yeah, yep. Malachi Nelson, the freshman, he's going to have to compete with Miller Moss next year um, after Caleb Williams leaves. But uh, uh, And I like Miller Moss. I think he's someone who's um, capable. But a lot of people think Malachi Nelson will be the next guy at USC. All right, so now we're going to go to 15 through 11. So if I was putting this list together, uh, we'd talk about which – which players would you put in a different spot? If you saw our freshman only mock draft that we did, you saw who the number one guy was for me. Uh, at 15, we have Arch Manning at Texas. If I was the one that was putting this list together, I would put Arch Manning all the way at number one. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Oh, we'll come, we'll come back to that in just a minute. Why I make that statement and we'll go from there. So 14, you got Bo Nix at Oregon, 13, Devin Brown at Ohio State. 12, you got Cade Klubnick at Clemson. And at 11, you got Ty Simpson at Alabama. So why would I make a statement like that about Arch Manning? So this is talking about guys that have got pro potential. Every other guy on this list does not have the name pedigree, the Hall of Fame pedigree, the Super Bowl winning quarterback, Super Bowl MVPs in their bloodline like Arch Manning. Arch Manning is going to get every possible opportunity to succeed, every possible chance to have mistakes that he makes washed under uh, or have people work with him to, to fix any kind of um, hiccup in his game. We'll talk about hiccups a little bit later. Um, <laughs> but I think that Arch Manning, out of all these guys, is going to have the best possible chance of actually getting those minutes at the pro level because of everybody that he's surrounded with. So that's why I would say that he's got the most chance to, to get to that level. Could you imagine being able to go and, and sit down after a game every single week on a conference call with, with Peyton and Eli and, um, and, and, uh, and just talk about the things that happened that week with those guys there to help you with what is, he's going to yeah. experience at the college level, at the pro level. That's why I would say that I think that he is – and when I say generational, I don't mean generational as far as what the quality of his play is, but the guys that he's had around him his entire life, the bloodline pedigree that he has, I think that he probably has the best chance of going to the next level and giving, and, and maybe maybe he doesn't deserve it. I'm not saying he does. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm saying he is going to find a way to become a starting quarterback at the next level because of the people that he can surround himself with just at the, the breakfast table, at the Thanksgiving table, on Christmas morning, that nobody else has. So that's why, I mean, probably realistically, Arch Manning is where he should be. But I think if we're talking Debbie, you're talking a guy that has a chance to actually get those minutes and get those chances at the pro level, that's why I would throw him to the top of the list. Doug, BMAC, I know you probably disagree with that, but I would definitely love to hear your thoughts on that. Hey, I think it's a really good argument, for honestly, Matt. Um, yes, I agree. He's going to get his chances. Um, he's ultimately going to sit this year. Um <laughs> Ewers is uh, performing better, and Ewers is was, in my opinion, probably more highly ranked than Manning was when they came out of high school. Um, but, a again, 
Manning has been talked about for years already just because of the name. So I definitely get the argument. Um, and it, like I said, it makes sense. But, yeah, I I like him at 15 here because um, there's just guys that I just like better. Yeah, so if you're talking about guys uh, coming out – yeah, some guys coming out next year. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them higher. If you were like, "Hey, I need a yeah. guy that's going to be going into the pros in twenty twenty four. Yeah, that would be that would be insane because right. he's probably, you know, six years away from from being able to have good solid pro potential as far as actually putting putting points up at the NFL level. But mm-hmm. uh, if we're talking about, I mean, there's a lot of other freshmen on here too. So, be so I, I don't thoughts? have a first round pick this year, but I'm looking at our draft here and I see Matt's somewhere in the four to six range. Hey, taking notes, look out. And, and I don't think that would be uh, a bad pick either. Like no. I think a ton of freshman quarterbacks are coming off the board and, and all of these style drafts um, really quickly. 100%. And so if you have one that you like, you better get them in that first round. That's right. And hey, after three oh. years, I finally had a dude graduate to the NFL. So finally, I have a quarterback spot. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's funny. But but I'd love to, you know, touch on Bo Nix and just the idea of, of fit mattering so much to these people, yeah. whether at they're at college or at the NFL level. And this is a, a feather in the cap for um, the transfer portal. And you see like the system Bonix was in at Auburn and he had all the talent. He's got great running ability. And then you see what he's able to do within that Oregon offense after, you know, you saw what happened the first game, get Oregon gets absolutely crushed by Georgia. I think they put up three points in that game or something like that. And then, he just goes on a run and they've got young receivers. They've, they've got like Oregon is so talented defensively, offensively along the line at receiver. Um, I just, I'm really impressed with what has happened with Bo Nix. And uh, I hope more players can kind of find their perfect spot just like he did. Um, And so with Arch Manning, I worry about him beating out Malik Murphy. Uh, Malik's young. He's good and talented, but one of those guys is going to end up transferring, I think. Yeah, for um, sure, for sure. So we'll see what happens, uh, you know, kind of this season, but clearly looked like the third guy. But again, it's his first spring. So we'll, um, I totally buy in what you're selling on the, you know, mm-hmm. hey, he gets elite conversations all the time, understands yep. how to process things. And, and, um, quarterbacks that are going to talk to him that you know will help his confidence level just, just imagine that, and that then, backyard yeah just imagine that backyard thanksgiving football game who do you draft first yeah. <laughs> who's your quarterback who, who is your quarterback right there or, or or are you going to be like eli you can go play wide receiver today you can go play can right. you imagine peyton manning as the db trying to cover somebody how awkward that would be but i'm like you know what i think i'd probably try i think i'd probably take that chance <laughs> Um, so Devin Brown, man, that Ohio state battle is going to get interesting. Cause we've got the other Ohio state quarterback battling against him at number six. So, um, that one's going to be interesting. We'll see one of those guys probably take off and do really well this year. Um, and, uh, anyways, Ty Simpson versus Milrow is going to be somewhat similar. And then they added another quarterback into the mix with, yep. with Buckner coming over there. So, no idea what's going to happen at that Alabama situation, but you know they've got five guys 
<laughs> that are talented enough to start um, most other places in, in the sport, which is uh, incredible. Well, speaking of that, we'll, we'll go on to the next group of five from 10 to six. We've mentioned a couple of these schools already, so it's going to be interesting to see where we go. You got uh, Connor Weigman from Texas A&M at 10. You got Jalen Miller, which was just mentioned at number nine. You got Jackson Arnold, Oklahoma at number eight. Nico Ayamia or however Doug pronounces it, uh, at number seven from Tennessee. And then you I got Kyle me. McCord from Ohio State at six. So there's a couple of schools there. Again, this is not a regular seasonal draft. This is not a regular seasonal league. That's why you've got multiple quarterbacks from the same school that are showing up in this list. Who stands out in this group 10 to six to you guys? So uh, the two for me, um, I'm going to go Nico. Um and Jackson Arnold. What's his last name again, Doug? I am Oliva. Um, I think it's Amaliava, but that's it, fine. That's too. what it is, I think, because that's how I've heard it. But I don't, I don't know. know. I like to put a Doug twist on it, so whatever. Doug's like, um, I'm going I'm, I'm to leave, leave this name pronunciation to someone else. Yeah, that's why I just call him Nico. It's easier. Um, but, if, uh, if you just read it straight, it looks like he would be the worst recruit ever because I am Oliva. Yes. Uh, you yeah. kind of feel like he's you getting just ready feel to like he's gonna portal at any point. Right. So, <laughs> uh, I told man. you. I told you. <laughs> but um, so with with him being at Tennessee, if that offense stays the same, he's obviously going to be showcased when, whenever it's his time. Um, I don't think it's going to be this year. But when it is could his be, time, it, it could be, but yeah, I'm – I'm about, spring game. I'm about 85% sure it's not going to be this year. So, um, but in Oklahoma, they're just, a, they're so good when it comes to, to getting recruits. Um, it seems like they've always got a, a flow of really good players coming in. And just what I've seen from Jackson Arnold, the stuff I've read about him, you know, for the last, gosh, it seems like a year that we've been really trying to put all this stuff together. Like, Jackson Arnold seems to have all the tools that you would want in a quarterback that's ready to take over for another guy. Um, Dylan Gabriel's been in college football for a long time, but Jackson Arnold just is probably um, honest. Yeah. Okay, Robot Doug. I think Chat GPT got up Matt a little bit there. I don't know Uh what's what's going on with the internet there, but uh, Uh AI. Got him. So, <laughs> if that really um, is real, Doug. <laughs> but uh, for me, if you look at Milrow, and we've posted a couple like shorts of of Milrow, um, his his he's the closest to an Anthony Richardson on this list, um, and uh, maybe a, a Josh Allen ish type of player like. Milrose peak is ridiculously high. He is so fast. He's strong. He's got a big arm. Um, he can run some people over. He can outrun you. He can juke you. Like he's he's got it all if he puts it together. Um, mm-hmm. His tool set is, is there. He could totally also not ever kind of get the accuracy necessary to to make it at the pro level. Um, and and you look at those like Matt, you're talking about multiple quarterbacks from the same team and Alabama is the best scenario right now where you could look at Milrow and Simpson and, and the two freshmen that they have along with Tyler Buckner 
And you could say all of them are worthy. You know, if they win that Alabama job, they've got all the tools at their disposal to have success at the highest level of the sport and get some NFL attention. Um, so you think back to like maybe Jalen Hurts when when Tua beat him out, won the championship. Hurts comes back for a year um, to Alabama and then eventually ends up at Oklahoma, which that's not something that you can foresee um, for any of these current Alabama quarterbacks. But you're you're more you're balancing your favoring talent over position in some of these scenarios. So yeah. um, like Milrow, like Arnold, but, but Wegman's the one who's going to start and play this year of the people in that list. And he's got Evan Stewart, one of the best um, pro potential wide receivers in the country. And we'll get to that in, uh, in a couple weeks and Evan Stewart, but um, Wegman's got the opportunity to really move up. And he looked so good when he got his opportunity last year. We'll see how they are with the moving parts. This is like, could be really good, could be dumpster fire by week five kind of season for Texas A&M. All right, so let's go to number five through number two on the list. Number five, you got Dante Moore from UCLA. Four, we've already talked about Texas. Got Quinn Ewers at Texas. Three, Drew Aller from Penn State. And number two, Drake May from UNC. You've seen a lot of these names on our college list, guys that are going to produce this year, guys that have the best, best potential to go into the pros and do something. So um, who do we want to call out in that group from five to two? Uh, on this show. Well, um, um, go ahead, Doug. You got it first, so, bro. So Dante Moore, um, technically still in kind of a battle there at UCLA. Is it going to be him? Is it going to be Schley? Is it, who, who's it going to be? We don't really know. Um, but as far as like the Debbie style goes, obviously, I, I mean, I like him a lot. Uh, in great size for quarterback. Uh, he seems super mature in interviews. Uh, it seems like he's ready to lead, which I think is a huge characteristic for a quarterback. Um, just the maturity, his, you know, what he shows in interviews is huge for me. Like when I'm when I'm going to to ranking or or thinking about a potential player on my team, you know, you don't want a guy that, you know, feels like he's entitled to everything. You know, he's kind of one of those guys that I believe as he's even said, you know, he wants to win the job, but if he waits, he's going to learn and be a sponge and take it all in. Um, yep. you know, and then I'll, I'll save number three for Brian cause he loves the guy. Um, but if, if I was drafting right now and he was available, I mean, I could make a case that Drake, ba Drake may would be my number one pick. So, um, I'll say like, if you put Drake may and Caleb Williams in this last draft, <clears throat> it wouldn't shock me if both of those were were drafted ahead of the quarterbacks that were there. So I agree. You've got I agree. Bryce Young, who's great, you know, very productive, um, good arm, and, uh, like, super smart, whatever, always making the right decisions. But Caleb Williams has the size and uh, the painted fingernails and stuff. So I, I like Drake May a lot, too. We want to see it again for this for the next season. We want to see it without Josh Downs and – and does Tez come in and take a, take that number one spot where maybe it's even better for Drake May because his he's got like 
like all of his key targets are going to be also tall, good red zone targets um, with some flexibility there. But yeah, Drew Aller, um, I like him a lot. And I think they will lean on the run game early this year at Penn State. And then we'll see Drew Aller kind of step into his own um, probably week four, five, six-ish, somewhere in there. And then Quinn Ewers at Texas, like their receiving core is loaded. Um, I'm just stoked to see. I remember right before the draft last year, Dillingham and I were talking about the potential of a trade um, and where I was going to give two first round picks for Ewers. Um, We ended up not doing the deal, but it was like super close to where if one of us was really adamant, the other one would have done it. Um, I feel like at least, and uh, we didn't make it happen. I wanted to kind of pair up, have that Ewers to worthy uh, quarterback receiver stack, but uh, we didn't end up doing it. And um, midway through the year, I'd have been nervous about that trade, but by now I'd, I'd be feeling pretty good about it. Cause I think, uh, I think Ewers is going to be, he's going to have a bright future in the NFL. How about you, I mean, Matt? Who do you like out of that draft? And if you were drafting number one overall in this past year, would you take a, a different quarterback off of this list or would you have rolled with a, a Bryce Young? Um, Honestly, I probably would, I probably would have gone with uh, the, the guy we have at number one. I felt like, um, I felt yeah. like when the trade was made to go to number one in the NFL draft, I was like, this is not a year where you've got that consensus guy who you yeah. know, if you don't go up and get that guy at number one, um, that, that your, your career is going to change. I felt like it was a very odd move in mm-hmm. this year to go up there because it felt like that the talent level was down just a little bit. If, if, if Drake Bay or Caleb Williams was there and they they went to number one, you're like, oh, they're going there to get that guy. Yeah. I, I yeah. would have felt a little bit differently, but um, I mean, can't fault the, can't fault the team for, for making the move and going up to that spot because they really wanted a guy. I just didn't feel like there was that guy. If it was a Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams in this draft, I think things might be a little, I I would have, I would have had a little different consideration. Yep. I agree. How about you, Doug? What do you think? Uh, I I agree. I mean, uh, there's, you could make a case that Hendon Hooker was the best quarterback in this draft, but you didn't get to see him all year. You know what I mean? There's just, it's just one of those things to me, the guys that were at the top five, I don't think any of them stood out really that much further than the rest. Um, you know, Will Levis falling, another one who was first round rumored. Um, and we know how he plays when he has a chip on his shoulder. You never know what's going to happen with those guys. And when but he's like, got that mayonnaise in his coffee. Yep, he does, which is oh, disgusting. That dude, but, that dude has definitely got some some issues there, at, man. That's that's pitiful. Yeah, at the Red end flag. of the day, um, if Caleb Williams, Drake May were were in this year's draft, I think they would have gotten drafted above the guys that got drafted. I agree. And, you know, we should just go ahead and say, because we, we left number one for last. We've already talked about a few times. Number one on this list, Caleb Williams from USC. So now we can get into the entire conversation. We got Caleb Williams. Number one, BMAC, why is he number one on this list for Devi at this point over over and above everybody else? You know, a lot of analysts think he's a, a generational talent, like an easy plug-and-play, like far and away the number one quarterback um, in the in the recent draft history. Um, so 
man we'll see um like but I, I i would buy in like he can make all the throws he's got perfect size he can run um and uh yeah he's he's just got it all like i, I think uh him going to the right spot in the nfl a year from now i think he's potentially tank worthy uh honestly to to have a a team that might have some bad breaks or injuries or whatever early on in the year, just kind of, uh, I don't know, throw in what's your boy, Doug uh, Minshew or something like that and lose some games and then end up drafting uh, Caleb Williams. So we'll see. Uh, but you, I, I think you what happens easily. at Indianapolis with Anthony Richardson this year. Minshew may start and you may see. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's Minshew in. there. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't even know where he was, but anyways, um, yeah, love, love Caleb Williams. I mean, if you did have that combined draft, Caleb Williams would be a a top five pick, I feel like. Even with all the NFL assets at play. Like, he's just that good. Like, just that good. And it's not even that he's just that good. I mean, you got you look at his supporting cast. You know, look at the people around him that even make him look even better. I mean, you know, he he was throwing to Addison last year, for example. The dude, you know, can catch a ball with three defensive backs raped all over him. Like, it's just in, – and he's one of the – arguably, you know, and people have said it about him, one of the best route runners that they've seen in a long time, you know. So just the supporting cast that Caleb Williams has to play with, like you said, Brian, you know, if he went to the wrong system, could be rough. But with what he's playing with now, I mean, and the fact that he just seems to kind of have it all together a little bit, you know, the painting the nails is one thing for me. I don't like it, but um, <laughs> that's especially not what you with, did last Friday or whatever. It, uh, not last Friday. We we did the podcast on Thursday, Brian. Um, but so. Uh, but if it was me, um, and because I'm a little bit of a risk taker, maybe that's my my old cop days or whatever. But I would I would take Drake May before I took Caleb Williams. All right, B Mac. Well, I've got a question for you. I want you to put your thinking cap on. I want you to hop into your time machine, and I want you to go back a few years. Pretend we're having this exact same conversation. The year before. Joe Burrow gets his big year in college. Yep. Where would you have ranked Joe Burrow on this list? A guy that had a lot of potential, but never did anything in college before he went and blew up. Where would you put him on a list like this in a one to 25 ranking? There's a reason why I bring this up. Well, let's see. I don't have my thinking hat on. I have on my, five and seven hat my uh my gators hat right now so um the year the year before um i was at the lsu florida game it was in the swamp uh game ends on a joe burrow uh his second interception of the game it was a pick six and um he it, it was nothing it was nothing for for him in certain terms of Debbie, like, of course he had the talent four-star quarterback goes to Ohio state, um, has the arm already had, you know, great receiving core on the roster at LSU. And then you've got, um, 
the co-oc that comes in there and and for whatever reason his name escapes me right now um shoot um but change the offense completely and that's that's where we talk about fit there's a lot of these guys who have great talent but do they are they able to set aside the 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 salesman tactics of recruiting um and and just get the right fit i think that's just so important of course like burrow would would have been nowhere near the 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 top 25 debbie yeah nowhere near but but it is about getting the right opportunity um, while also having the right tools. Like, you know, Bo Nix would have been on this list coming in as a freshman, and then he quickly would find his way off the list. Um, so it is a little bit touch and go, um, and it is sad to see players that maybe just make the wrong choice or choices when it comes to recruiting or the portal. Um, and then... Either they don't have it, or man, if if it's the wrong fit, that just sucks. But uh, but I think Burrow is the ultimate um, example there, and that's a good one to kind of pick and see what he can be uh, now as like a, a premier player uh, for a team on a side of the NFL and the AFC that's just stacked at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Well, and the reason I the reason I bring it up is because one of the things about CFB Dynasty, it's all about analytics. It's about doing all the analysis of uh, like you said, what the guy's measurables are, where he's at, but there's always going to be somebody because we're talking about humans. We're talking about, you know, late teens, early twenties um, guys that are still in development. They're going to come out of nowhere. We're going to get to the end of the year. We're going to be like, wow, that guy was nowhere near the top 25 list. Debbie, it may not be a Joe Burrow, but there's going to mm-hmm. be somebody right now that you may have your eye on that is not on this list. It's going to jump up and he's going to be a draft draft capable guy. And that's one of the great things about fantasy football, college or pro is that, that you're going to have those guys are going to jump up and they could be the guy that changes your entire team. And, um, and you just never saw him before that year, because like you said, it could be a system could be just a guy's finally clicked. It could be the guys that are around him. Uh, It could be a change of scenery, whatever it may be. But um, it's going to be great to see who goes into that Joe Burrow category um, mm-hmm. and, and jumps in and maybe is a draftable quarterback next year um, that, that was not even on anybody's radar right now, except for maybe Mike Dillingham, of course, who just always seems to find these guys. <laughs> nah, man. So let's like, and there's one thing, like being a, a data stats nerd and all that stuff, I, I find myself taking it too seriously from time to time, honestly. There are NFL GMs that get this stuff wrong every draft. And uh, it's just one of those things that my advice, like if you're drafting or whatever, the guy that you really like, find a way to take that guy, even if you've got to take him a little early. Because, yeah, maybe it'll work out. Um, I was that with with Milrow last year. It seems like, you know, every year you just kind of have that guy that you really want for one reason or another. Um, But, yeah, like you – the bears trading up to take Trubisky. Um, like who, who saw that coming? And then also would you have had the guts to take Josh Allen from Wyoming at two or three or whenever he went? Um, a lot of NFL GMs didn't see Mahomes coming out of Texas tech having success. Nope. Um, but one guy did at least one guy did right. Andy Reed. So, um, it's one of those things where it, it's certainly touch and go. And if you're drafting, freshman quarterbacks um 
it can be difficult, but you find a guy that you think would have the best propensity to make it to the NFL or whatever, based on where they are and the talent that they have. And you're looking at the, the archetype and, and just kind of hoping things work out along the way. All right. We got two different things we want to talk about real quick before we get to the end of the show. So Doug, something that's near and dear to your heart hiccups. You uh, brought up before the show. Let's talk about the Bo Jackson article. Talk about what you, what you think about that. That's some craziness. Yeah, that so just dropped just before the show started. I'm a, I'm a Twitter freak. Um, thanks, Brian, for that, by the way. Um, but I'm always looking at Twitter for fun news or headlines or what's new just in general. And uh, I saw that Bo Jackson has been battling hiccups for almost a year. Like, mm. could you imagine metal. having the hiccups <laughs> for a year? I, I, I don't even, I don't even know how crazy that having them for. Mm. Drives me crazy having the hiccups for three minutes. I don't know how I would have the hiccups for a year. Like, the, I don't know, but he, what does he try to, to do or something? To fix it. <laughs> I, I, I didn't click on the article to read it, but um, I just I saw it, kind of laughed a little bit, and then kind of felt bad at the same time. Yeah, so. you know, yeah. you know, every every old wives' tale, every home remedy, every everything in the entire world, he's probably tried every bizarre thing to try and get these things to stop. But I, I, I saw that headline. I can't even believe it. That, that, that just sounds like a, a miserable existence for a year to not be able to get those things to stop. So now, I'm looking at it now. And apparently he is as of 20 hours ago, he's going to uh, undergo a procedure um, after after 10 months of hiccups so he's been he's had the hiccups for 10 months and he's going to be going under a procedure to get this uh um yikes <laughs> there's another one that says he has even smelled the butt of a porcupine to try to cure this oh whoa oh, i don't i don't i don't know what that has to do with anything but um uh, old, uh, ancient old wives tales. If that cures some <laughs> stuff, I, I I don't know. But so for those of you that might be a little sick out there, try smelling the butt of a porcupine. I guess I don't know. But I'll I'll stick with the hiccups at that point. Show up. Uh, this is this has been fun. <laughs> All right. So um so real quick, outside smelling the butt of porcupines. So one of the things that we're going to be doing at CFP Dynasty, if you are someone that is out there that is a beat writer for a specific school, we want to be reaching out to you. We want you reaching out to us. We want to have a network that's got a minimum of 133 college beat writers so that that way um, the information we're given, you're the one that is is a, a, a mile wide and an inch deep with your school. The show has to be a mile wide and an inch deep. So um, we want to be able to get your expert analysis from your school and be able to integrate that into what we do on the show, what we do on the rankings. So uh, expect somebody to be reaching out to you. If you're listening to this podcast, we want you to be reaching out to us so we can get that database together. Um, BMAC, Doug, let's talk about that real quick before we get off, sure. off of here. Um, talk about why you feel like that is so important to be able to reach out to these beat writers. Sure. So, yeah, we uh, this is something we do – I think this is our maybe fifth year doing this, but uh, maybe fourth, I don't remember, but it's one of our readers like favorite 
things because it it does give you that preseason magazine feel where you're we're talking each position and what happened in you know spring and in the portal and and who are some players that you see kind of breaking out and this is how you find out about a, a rondale moore the year before they break out and all that stuff so um we should have plenty soon we're starting our outreach but certainly we do have some that reach out we try and feature the writer uh feature anything that they want link to their website whatever um to give them that added benefit to kind of do that on a uh, for us and for for us as a community, so um, it's a it's a fun one, and it's one that affects our rankings a lot. And um, because uh, we'll be going right into that right after right after we're done with with this series. All right, and and just just announced while we're sitting here, this is the day the NFL schedule is going to be dropping. They said Dolphins Patriots for the first time in four years is not going to be opening weekend. It's going to be Sunday night football. They're going to have Tom Brady in to celebrate him retiring from the NFL on Sunday night football. That to me sounds like it's going to be great television because of all the bad blood when he left and went to mm -hmm. the Bucks and all the insanity of the Dolphins losing a draft pick because of, uh, of the Tom Brady <laughs> yeah. tampering. Just seems like a very odd thing to be doing on Sunday Night Football, but give it to the NFL. They're always going to find some weird angle for some of these games. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for sure. That's a fun one. All right. All right. So we want you guys to like and subscribe everywhere. You can find us on YouTube, on Discord, on it. Twitter. Let's uh, let's get out there. Let's make sure we're building that Discord community. Uh, we're getting ready to just get into the summer so that, that way we can start seeing some summer ball. We want to hear your commentary. We want to hear your thoughts on this podcast. Um, and uh, we'll go from there. So uh, on behalf of Brian McElfresh and Doug Gravely, my name is Matt Knowles. We thank you guys once again for watching the CFBDynasty.com podcast or listening on your favorite podcast site. We'll see you next week. We talk about running backs in Debbie. See ya. See you guys. <laughs>